Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? Oh, you mean because I'm wearing this beret? <laughs> yeah, the baguette and the stripy shirt kind of were dead giveaways. Yeah, that I'm doing great. <laughs> Welcome home. Oh, man. I had such a great trip. I mean, I can't even begin to imagine how amazing it was. Um, well, you've been to Paris. Yeah. You lived there. I did. I lived there for a year. See, that's when it becomes home. Mm. I like that. I was there for 10 days and it transitioned into like, okay, I get the vibe. Yeah. I get it. Mm -hmm. I understand why this is a dope place to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish I had flown with my vape pen. I was too too nervous. I didn't know because I've never gone through customs or anything before. Yeah. And it's kind of not worth risking it with international travel. Right. You know, it's just not. Exactly. Yeah. They have great things to smoke all over this fair world. Yeah. So... Yeah, I wish, but I do wish for like museums and things that I would have been able to get really high and walk around. I actually thought about like tucking a uh, little like Listerine breath mints pack packed with some like weed breath strips in your pocket for you. Oh, oh, like like if you were to bump into me in a movie in a crowded subway uh-huh. and dip something into my jeans. Yeah, and then you don't know you're carrying, so you're not nervous going through customs. Yeah. I thought about it. Oh, uh, there's two ways to look at that. One is, oh, uh, the other way is like you planted what on me and called the cops? <laughs> I like- had a friend do that to me once and I went through customs from London to Ireland with like a fucking eighth of weed in my bag and didn't know about it. Fuck yeah. And that's the only way, right? Because mm-hmm. if you know about it, like, you know, your shirt is oh. damp and your hair is matted to your forehead. And my knees are shaking. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm all, and, yeah. Exactly. But and, I didn't know about it. And so I got to Ireland and I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, awesome. Right. <laughs> that's like you go to customs and like, um, um, business or pleasure. And you're like, weed, what? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we'd like to welcome ourselves to this country. Hello, for pleasure. <laughs> All right, listen, break it down. Nitty gritty, nuts and bolts. The nitty gritty. I'll what share a couple fuck? of stories. Nobody wants to hear about a vacation they didn't go on. I want to hear about God, it. I feel like, like I'm going on vacation with you. I'll tell you some cool, cool things okay. that pertain to this podcast specifically. Mm-hmm. I should say beforehand, it was a trip that I went on with my dad. My dad and I went together as a way to bond as um, adults, you know, because when you're a kid and you travel with your dad, I think that's probably different than being able to travel with your son. Yeah. You know? A glass of wine with your son. This is my son. Some cheese. Yeah. This is my grown son. Good evening. I'm a I'm a man and this is my young son. My young son who <laughs> outbeards me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and were you guys like, did you, I just have to ask before you get into anything else, were you guys like targeted by a mother-daughter team? At any point where they were like, I'm a mother traveling with my daughter and these look like prospects, you know, like in a, <laughs> yeah. in a Jane Austen novel or something. Is that what Jane Austen writes about? I don't know. I feel like all those old timey novels where like people would go on European travels and there would be like the mother and daughter. And oh, yeah. Meet the father and the son, you know. Oh, maybe. good evening, Dwight. Yes. Yeah. I get that. No, nothing like that. We weren't targeted. We weren't targeted. If we were, <laughs> I was oblivious to it because, uh, I mean, you know, I just, I, there was one other cool person on there who was... 
um, my age or younger, and um, and that was it. Otherwise, it was all people my dad's age, mm-hmm. and I don't need that in my life. Right. You know, I don't need I don't need a sixty-something-year-old uh, woman <laughs> on my arm walking through the Paris streets. Not necessarily. No. No, not no, really. It doesn't sound like your style, your I, speed. Especially for walking. Right. Yeah. It sounds slow. It's very slow. It's a stroll. <laughs> That's right. They don't it's, walk. It's a promenade. <laughs> oh my God. They don't walk. They stroll. All right. Some quick stories. Okay. I'm a little jet lagged. So can we keep this one tight? Yeah. Okay. High cool. and tight. High and tight. Doing it. Cool. Just like my pants. The cool things. We should cut that out. Uh, <laughs> I thought you said Muppet hands and I was like, hi, but you said my pants, right? Oh yeah. Right. Hey, but you know what? Muppets would have been equally as a waste of time. High and tight. I don't know. We can cut all of it out. Doesn't matter. Can we start over? Entirely over? No. Just like... <laughs> Let's start this story over. This story over. All right. Because I'm so jet lagged. I don't understand time travel and time. Like if I feel... Okay, really quick. I do have a theory. If I didn't know what time it ever was and I just went from like, it's daytime, it's nighttime mm-hmm. and didn't have to worry about day of the week or time of day... There would be no such thing as jet lag. Hmm. That's my theory. Mm, you don't I, think so? No. I, I think there is actually more to it than that. Although I can't pr- think of what it would be. I don't think there is. Hmm. Day is a day. A night is a night. If we didn't invent things like Wednesday, then it wouldn't matter. Yeah, but you're losing hours either way. You're either losing or gaining hours. So when you go to Paris, when you fly east you're losing hours and when you fly west you're gaining hours and either way your body and your circadian rhythms have to like adapt to that my cicada rhythm is whatever it is circadian (laughs) (laughs) cicada rhythms that's what we have right um yeah yeah your cicada rhythm which is when you like go to paris to like molt and (laughs) break out of your shell because no one knows you is that what happened felt like it let's hear it all right so I will, there was three stories in particular that all kind of run into each other that I love. First one is we were walking through, uh, I don't remember the place in Paris, but it was a really old, cool place. Huge, beautiful farmer's market. Just the greenest lettuce you've ever seen. The tomatoes that were ripe because, you know, they were made a mile downtown. Gorgeous food. And in it is a place that I'm going to mispronounce the name called La Coronne. Mm-hmm. And their claim to fame is it's where Julia Child ate her first meal that blew her mind and said, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. Oh. And it's the oldest restaurant in France. Wow. And so I was just like, and it has a Michelin seal of approval on it. And I was like, fucking game changer. Done. This is where we're going to eat tonight, Dad. And so we went there and we had the chef's tasting menu. Oh. And like the butter was better. The bread was better. Mm. You know. The squid risotto was perfect. Wow. The, um, uh, uh, what's the, what's the right souffle? It like, we ended with a souffle that was, that rose so high into the air and mm. was so light and airy and as a dessert. And we had bottles of rosé and it was just the best meal I could have asked for in France. Sitting outside, there's a fountain, cobblestone streets, old as hell and just great French cuisine. Amazing. How was the service? Exquisite. Really? Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Because I think there's like that sort of like the rude French waiter that is the, you know, the trope that 
you know, you I kind of expect to encounter that. where a waiter is like, oh, these stupid Americans. Yeah. They don't know anything, you know, and, but that's actually that, not the case. But you know what I think that is? Because I did run into people who you would think would be rude, but they're not rude. They're assertive and they don't have time for your bullshit. Totally. And I feel like a lot of the people we went there with, there's this American privilege mm-hmm. that seems to make some of the people I saw talking with other people like an entitlement of I'm on vacation and I'm American. Right. How dare you? And it's like these motherfucking people live in Paris and they're living their lives and they don't have time for you to stop in the middle of the street to look up at a building and be like, oh, man, look at that one. Right. Move. Mm -hmm. Get to your thing. You're invading my life. So I really didn't find anyone who was rude at all as much as just like assertive and cut to the chase. Kind of like New Yorkers. Fucking New Yorkers, Mm -hmm. which I love. I love that too. I love that vibe in both Paris and New York. I never found either city rude at all. It was exactly as you're saying. Like it was just people who know what they want, know what they're doing, and they're not there to like have a conversation about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. While I will say like a lot of the people we were on the cruise with are from, were from the Midwest and they have, you know, that pleasant sing song, don't say anything mean, keep it close to the vest. We're here to have a great time kind of attitude. So anything that, you know, puts a little too much salt in that broth comes mm-hmm. across as like mm. right right and they and those are the people who like want to ask a lot of questions and like really get into it with the server who has plenty of other things to do does not want to talk about what exactly is in a lobster bisque right oh what where is this from uh, where's this lobster rice? and it's a bisque oh, okay do you like it is it good is it, do, yeah cool great mm-hmm. talk to your person at the table <laughs> exactly wow so, yeah so you know i like i i ran into more people in the service industry there who just didn't have time for that for you to be enamored sure. and to chat yeah which i love that's great I don't, I don't i hate i feel so uncomfortable when i go to dinners and like the the table holds up the server to make small talk at every pass yeah like there's this like desire to talk to the server every time they come by and make that into a fucking moment Ugh. I used to hate that so much when I was waiting tables. You don't want to know what I do for a living. Like no. right now, this is what I'm doing. You're right. You know, maybe this, you don't know. Maybe I'm a career server. Please don't ask me about my hopes and aspirations. Mm-hmm. You know, would yeah. you, can I get you anything else? Would you like some more bread? Right. Now let me go. Yeah. Cool. Totally. Oh, thank God. Exactly. Ugh. So I, 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 um, I think that meal was great, especially like, you know, because of the history that's tied to it. And then for it to deliver in a way that mm-hmm. was like unpretentious. I could see the chef in the back just being like, no, it is French and French is French is French is French and we do not change and we do not waver. We're the oldest and we have a standard and that standard is French. And it was great. Did he have a tall hat? Uh, So tall that he couldn't get out. He had to (laughs) bend over to come outside. So tall. I love it. Yeah. I don't know. I never saw him. Um, uh, But well, when we did, I do think I saw him because when we went there to make the reservation in the afternoon, there was a sweaty man barking orders in the back. Mm. And I was like, oh, that sounds like chef. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there he is. Exactly. (laughs) Yelling at people. Yeah. Wearing his uh, football jersey. Awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Wow. So that was your best meal in Paris. Best meal in Paris, hands down. La Couronne. Yeah. Uh, I'll get to my second best meal in a second, but I want to show, this was the best night that we had in Paris. So after that, we eat this meal, we're buzzed, we're full, we're happy. uh, And my dad is like, I want to go see Notre Dame because the sun was setting. It was like by around 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night at this point. So I'm like, heck yeah, let's go see Notre Dame. And as we're walking there, there's a guitar player sitting on the ground next to his girlfriend, 
but we hear two guitars. And we turn the corner, and one guy is playing lead guitar with a microphone and standing up, and the guy we heard is sitting on the ground plucking away at his red out-of-tune electric. And they're playing um, um, Pink Floyd, I think. Yeah. And my dad is like, oh, I know that song. I can play better than that guy. Would you be embarrassed if I saw if I could play with this guy? Whoa. And I was like, what are you talking about? No, I'm not embarrassed. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. So he walks over, and he goes... Um, five euros for your guitar. And the guy was like, okay. Hands <laughs> in five. Archie, one second. I know this is like getting good. He's excited. Um, hands in five. The guy hands my dad the guitar. My dad sits on the ground in front of Notre Dame and just cooks through Pink Floyd with <gasps> this other guitar player as the sun is setting, as everyone's crowding around Notre Dame. They get a crowd around them as he's just like, wow. Oh, do you remember that? Was it Wish You Were Here? No. Or Comfortably Numb? No. Oh, mm. I wouldn't know it if I knew it. Even if I knew it, oh, I wouldn't wow. know it. All right. Yeah. I don't know Pink I Floyd. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Comfortably Numb? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it could have been anything. They have so many good ones. That's amazing. Know. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so like, it was a perfect end to a night with, like, and he hits that last, and then puts the guitar down uh-huh. a, a crowd that he didn't even realize because he was so in it with the guy and they're making eye contact it starts breaking into a huge applause and what? starts putting money in the busking hat and my dad just like takes off the thing hands it to him and they like high five and take a selfie and like everyone talks and you know we just kind of float back to the uh hotel or uh. the boat where we were staying the boat, Botel. The Botel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. It was great. And then everyone, by then, because people were at Notre Dame that night and they saw him. Mm-hmm. So now he's like king shit on the cruise, right? And everyone's yeah. coming up to him and being like, that was so cool. You got guts. I want to shake your hand. Let me buy you a drink. Wow. It was neat. Wow. That's so fucking rad. What a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So that was like a big night of just, you know, boozing, schmoozing, strumming. And help. Bumming. No, not bumming. <laughs> Buskin. Buskin. Sure. Schmoozing, boozing, strumming, and buskin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ooh, rough yeah. right now. Wow. Hey, y'all. This is a... I'm sorry Listen, this is a Listen, we're rough catching one. up. Mike is on the other side of the world still. Yeah. Psychologically. Psychologically. <laughs> uh, and then our last night there, we it was pouring rain. Pouring rain. Magical. And in Paris, it was really cool. Like, it smelled, the the streets smelled a little funkier, mm-hmm. you know? It was really nice. And so we go into um, this other side of the world than we were staying. We're all like, the Ritz-Carlton is, and Louis Vuitton flagship, and all this stuff. And we go to the Westin right there to get out of the rain, and we start drinking beers. And these two people sit next to us, and they're young, and they're chill. And um, they start talking, and my dad is like... A, is like asking them about themselves and we're all tight together to get out of the rain. So we strike up a conversation. We all hit it off. They just got married like a year ago. They're here cause she's taking a class. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all drinking beers, having a great time. And eventually we get around to like, so what do you do? And so my dad says what he does. Uh, I say what I do. And my dad is like, can I brag about you for a second? And I was like, fine. Uh-huh. And so he said some really nice stuff about yeah. like Emmy nomination and all that, you yeah. know. And then they're like, oh, the Emmy nominees. What are you nominated for an Emmy for? I'm like, oh, I wrote on this HBO thing and uh, it's nominated for an Emmy. And then I was like, what do you do? And she's she's like, I'm one of the most famous actresses in India. <gasps> and this is my husband who works in uh, creating hydrogen power. And we're what? like, what? 
And so the rest of the night. Oh my God. Me, my dad, uh, I think his name is Shavam, and Raya is her name. And we just cooked through Paris together, just drinking and eating what? and just being vacationers and telling stories about, she's telling great stories about what it's like to be, you know, paparazzi followed through all of India because it's her whole family is wildly famous. Her mom was an incredibly famous actor. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just down the line. And now she's carved out this incredible niche for herself. And then he's him and I are talking about Elon Musk and what we think of him. And Uh you know what I mean? It was just wild. Wild. And that was our last night in Paris was um, just drinking tons of beer and eating a bunch of great Chinese food with, um, with it, like Indian royalty. In Indian royalty. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. And no one knew them in Paris. Yep. No one knows us. No one would know us anywhere. Yeah. And so we all just got to like hang. That's so rad. Yeah. What a magical fun time. Right. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wow. we walked out of there and my dad was like, that was insane. And I was like, yeah, what? That was kind of cool. So crazy. Yeah. So I got to like name drop some people who I've done stuff with. And, yeah. You know, it felt really cool. Well, so yeah. hopefully they'll come to LA and um, come to Glazed or something. And yeah. we can have them on this pod even. They oh were my... so cool to talk to. Definitely. That sounds so fucking rad. Yeah. I love it. I got to look her up. Raya. Raya. R-I-Y-A. Mm, love it. So, I have another friend named Verified Raya. on Instagram. Oh, oh it's dang. also a dating app. What? Oh, Raya. R-A-Y-A. Raya is the dating app for celebrities. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So... Are you allowed to say that? They're going to bust through the window. no. (laughs) I just hear a helicopter. (laughs) We need that computer. (laughs) Yeah. Delete everything. (laughs) Nobody can know. I actually had a friend who was on it for a minute. And I was like, how is that? And he was just like, it's just like weird and a smaller dating pool. But also great because it's very like discreet, I guess, you know. Yeah. I've had some friends who have been messaged by like celebrity A-list actors Uh who have invited them to like join yeah weird parties no Uh, like they're also on raya it's like hey we're a match would you like to go to this you know moonlit dungeon orgy (laughs) with me uh it goes from wednesday until you escape like (laughs) (laughs) cool no thanks no thanks (laughs) ciao (laughs) yeah exactly so those were the cool things in paris oh the other thing in paris um is the other one of the best meals i had was Delta Airlines. Oh, what? It was such a good meal. We'll post the menu. Okay. Because it had like smoked smoked tuna with a dill caper dressing. Uh, it had like this incredible pasta with... Um, with uh, uh, Hold on. I got to read it. Okay. I mean, this is really strange that it, your whole like 10-day culinary tour with food and wine to France with your dad where you ate at La Couronne, which is one of the oldest restaurants in France, that you're talking about a Delta Airlines meal. <laughs> and yes, I am vamping while you look this up on your phone. <laughs> Vamp away because, <laughs> because you also make me feel like kind of petty. <laughs> kind of wild though because I, I'm, I'm astonished that you're bringing it up, but I also totally believe you that it was great because... I think you must have had some pretty great food to compare it to. So let's hear it. Okay. Uh, Delta, what did you bring? <laughs> That's so funny. Everyone's like, oh, you must go to Normandy. The butter, <laughs> the cheese, the camembert. And I'm like, oh, if you fly Delta. <laughs> now, granted, can we just say this wasn't coach? You weren't oh, like... we, we did fly first class. Thank you. Okay. Because okay. you, can, you can't expect this unless you're actually flying transatlantic 
first class on Delta. That's true. So, I was going to leave that out, though, only because some things make me uncomfortable to talk about. Well, it does make me uncomfortable because I'm going to be mad if I get on coach flying to, you know, fucking Morocco and I don't have this meal. In that case, you better eat an edible, which I didn't do, which was a huge mistake. But we don't have to get into my hellacious trip there. Oh, yeah. No. Um, I, they awful. lost my luggage. It I'll leave so it at bad. that. Um, <laughs> thank uh, All I know is that you sent me a DM on Instagram, like maybe from the airport, and you were like, just look at my Instagram story right now. And I went and looked at it, and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> is he going to make it? And yeah. he did. It's the end of it, right? Oh, okay. We should just tell this story real quick. Okay. Um, I'm sorry I'm talking so much. No, I want to hear all of it. That's why we're here. I was supposed to fly from Los Angeles to St. Louis, meet my dad in St. Louis, because that's where he lives. And then we were going to fly to Detroit together. And then from Detroit, we were going to get on a plane to Paris. Mm -hmm. We got 20 minutes in the air at LAX, and a drunk person starts yelling, get him, get him, get him, get him. Pandemonium erupts in the plane. The flight attendants are like barricading their that seat in, and we have to turn around and go all the way back to, excuse me, LAX. I was going to miss my flight because the next... This was at 9.30, yeah. and they were like, we can't leave until 1 a.m. And I was Ugh. like, what does a gun taste like? So <laughs> Connecting to Europe. <laughs> yeah. And so they threw me on another plane, but forgot to bring my bags with me. My bags ended up in Phoenix. I ended up in Paris. It, I didn't have clothes. <laughs> That's the end of the story. <laughs> like a phone charger and a toothbrush. <laughs> I did. They were like, well, I'm sure you have a bag packed you know, on the plane. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. It has animal farm in it. Yeah. And a phone charger, like you said. Yeah. And thank God it has deodorant. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That doesn't work. Um, Oh, no. Anyway. (laughs) All right. Delta. Delta. What are you bringing? Three starters, poached shrimp with tomato salad and a creamy truffle mousse. What? Baby gem lettuce with shaved vegetables and feta and a Jubilee summer corn chowder with diced tomatoes and a chive garnish. So you choose from these three? They bring you all three. Oh, my God. (laughs) Then you choose a main course. You choose between um, grilled beef tenderloin with thyme, mashed potatoes, and truffle-glazed vegetables. Yes, please. Grilled lemon chicken with tzatziki, Greek rice, lemon parsley, and grilled peppers. Mm. Potato-crusted halibut with sweet corn mousseline and heirloom tomato salsa. Whoa. Or lemon caramel pasta with cherry tomato sauce, lemon oil, and arugula. What the fuck, man? Right? That sounds crazy. Hands down, beef tenderloin, and it killed. That's what you had. Hell yeah. Oh, so good. I never thought i'd be in the air eating beef tenderloin and watching the born ultimatum (gasps) at the same time and just being like oh this is fine and i bet you were like you probably because you had headphones in so you couldn't hear yourself but i bet you were groaning (laughs) (laughs) i bet the flight attendants just walk around that cabin and everyone has their headphones in and it's just a low like uh, uh, yeah because everyone's just eating the best thing and watching whatever it is that they want to watch because it's first fucking class. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's probably why they don't give you a napkin. You're going to end up not realizing you're not alone. Start <laughs> jaying off. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> if you're that kind of person, maybe so. Maybe so. Uh, oh, and then for dessert, you choose between an ice cream sundae, cheesecake tart, or a selection of like cheese and grapes and sh- crackers and shit. Good Lord. What did you have? Cheesecake tart mm. with uh, orange Supremes and strawberries. Uh, that sounds good. Yeah. Oh, and because it's a really long flight, they give you like one more thing about an hour before you get off the plane just to like. A hand job? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you. that's it. 
What about you? <laughs> well, thank you for my uh, Normandy caramels. Yeah, I'm really excited. I want to post a picture of them because they're so beautiful. They look like a like an artist's palette. Like there are so many different, and they're surprising colors. They're not colors that you would ever see caramels. Yeah, really. purples and greens. There's yeah, like this like ochre and like a sort of like a slate green. Yeah. I'm so excited to eat them. So thank you for those. All right, so it's a picture heavy pod. Yeah, cool. Meals in Paris, and I want yeah pictures of the delta meal if you have some of those i have a lot of food pictures yeah totally man 10 days and you got some sun i know yeah yeah you're as tan as i've seen you and the time i've known you thanks maybe yeah uh yeah i did get a lot of sun sun kissed quit burying the lead mary jane you're in allure magazine i'm not burying anything (laughs) come on come on you're in fucking allure magazine it's true i am yeah uh yep oh my god (laughs) Oh my God, no wonder you write so well. Because <laughs> when you talk, you're just like, yeah, it's a thing. It, well, I uh, a couple months ago, a writer DM'd me on Twitter. and Or no, even just, she just tweeted at me and was like, what's your email? And then she sent me a... She crawled in your window. Yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> she just put a chocolate on my pillow and whispered, email me. Um, <laughs> no, Lauren Savini is her name. And she was writing an article for Allure about women in the cannabis industry. And she wanted to know if I would give her some quotes uh, about w- just working as a, wo- as a woman in the industry. And so the issue came out. It's on stance right now. Lily James is on the cover looking fly. That's so awesome. Are you going to post the interview anywhere? It's not an interview. It's just, it's really a sidebar. Like it's a whole package about women and weed. Um, There's three, but it's you and only, it's only you and two other people in well, the, in the spread. Right, but that part is kind of a side part. Like it's a, it's one of those sort of like it's like any of those sort of like allure Cosmo kind of beauty magazine packages where it's a bunch of different stuff. So there's like part of it's about products and part of it's about CBD and part of it's about you know sex and weed and then there's the sidebar that's about um, w- women in the industry giving quotes. And so I was quoted a couple times and it was really cool to be included and oh I feel really proud because like I think when you were saying about how. You know, being nominated for an Emmy is something that your family can understand. Yes. This is something that I can, you know, show my mom or, you know, someone in my family who might not understand and be like, well, you know, you might not get it, but Allure magazine, which is, you know, arguably yeah. definitely like a, I think an internationally known magazine. Of course. Like uh, reached out for a quote about what it's like to be a woman in the weed industry. And I was really proud to be included. So I, thanks. I th- can I yell at you for a second? No. Please. Why? Because I just think words like sidebar and quote are are like minimizing to well, the huge paragraphs of words that they published of yours. Well, why don't you talk about it then? Maybe because I'm not great at talking about that kind of stuff. When I think of a sidebar, I think of like something that you say as an aside of the whole. But to me, this is like a whole issue where it has women in weed mm-hmm. and there's only three women that they're talking to in weed and you're <laughs> one of them and so when i think of sidebar i don't think of a two-page spread where you have like meaty you know 10 inch thick paragraphs of words coming from you and next to them it says the word mary jane gibson so <laughs> i'm as an outsider looking in uh-huh. it's it's just I mean, you're in that magazine. You're in the magazine. Thank you. Yes, it does. It feels really cool. I think there also is that sense of, um, 
<sighs> it's, it's a little hard to talk about because they're, it, it, and I actually refer to it, I like gave them a quote about it when they reached out to me about, uh, you know, my perspective of as working as a woman in the weed industry is that there's always been this, um, it was funny too, I just went to Comic-Con and my friend Heather ran a panel at Comic-Con and she was addressing this imposter syndrome. Ooh, I've never heard of this. So they talked about it a little on her panel. Uh, at Comic-Con. Shout out Heather, creative maven. It was awesome. And I was listening to that whole conversation about imposter syndrome. And then it's come up a couple of other times recently, which is interesting because I'm writing a lot right now. And you know, when things just start coming up a lot as you're writing, it just feels like a synchronicity. But there was a time when, when I started at High Times in 2014 as a full-time staff member, I came up against a lot of like, well, what do you have to say about cannabis culture? Like, how could you possibly ha- tell us anything we, you know, don't already know? Is like, this as a woman or as someone new to the office? I wasn't new to the office. I'd been around a lot. I think it was just like, I, it felt like I was a bit of an interloper because I was hired sort of unceremoniously. And it was uh, like the whole thing was just... Very t- kind of typical at the time for high times. It was like it was like a little bit renegade, and everything mm-hmm. just happened really fast. And anyway, I, I landed an editorial position at a like legacy cannabis publication, and all of a sudden, everyone was like, "Who are you? And what right. do, what do you have to say?" And so it took me a really long time to sort of assume the authority that I had in my position, and it still comes up though the feeling of like wanting to sort of like s- sort of like undermine yourself a little bit and say, "Well, no, it's not that big a deal." and the the thing is it is really cool and I am really proud of it and so thank you for shouting it out but it's it, there there's that constant battle of mm, I'd like to do a little more research into imposter syndrome before addressing it too much but it's this sort of idea that you feel like an imposter even though you're not you have every right to be there you have every right to be a part of the conversation but outside pressures low self worth or or you know feeling like you can't regard yourself um as deserving of whatever it is that you have yeah makes you feel like you're you're a fake you're a fraud and uh i've come up against that a few times and i think it's sometimes because of colleagues making comments and then also sometimes it's your own ego and like you know battling with your own yeah your own sort of uh feeling the justification to say the words that you want to say fuck yeah and so it is cool. Like I remember a couple of years ago when Complex Magazine listed me in their uh, 15 Most Powerful Women in Weed, and I didn't feel like I had a right to it. Really? Yeah, I really didn't feel like Complex I had a right chose to you it. as one of the 15 Most Powerful Women in Weed. A couple of years ago when I moved to Los Angeles, a wonderful writer named Sophie St. Thomas was compiling her list of the 15 Most Powerful Women in Cannabis, and it was her list, and she reached out to me, and I was like, oh, I don't really think I belong on that list, and she was like, well, it's my list, and you belong in it. For me, because I'd worked with her as a cannabis writer and editor. And so she put me on the list and it was great and it came out and I was really proud of it. And at the same time, I also received a couple of comments that were like, well, why are you on that list? And I was like, well, it's funny. Haters. You know, well, and, and also I felt like I was undeserving. So this time to be in this magazine on these newsstands right now, feels like a good time to assume the like, yeah, it's cool. I'm there because I've worked really hard to get there. And so thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. And I read it. And what you have to say is, boy, oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. I just ate a cracker with cheese on it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is about weed and grub. I know. I was hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, the quote was kind of edited down from a lot of um, quotes that I emailed him, but... I'm really stoked. When with you how say they... when you say quote, I think of like one line. Mm. When but when you say quote, what you really mean is like your answer to 
questions that they sent you. Right. Yes. Okay. Because like when I hear quote, I think of like, um, only the strong survive. Right. You know? Yeah. It was an answer to, they, they printed two answer, two of my answers to Mm -hmm. the questions that they were asking. Out of two questions. They only asked. I think they asked three questions. Three. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, that's right. They asked, uh, what's lit? Um, who up? What's good? And what's good? (laughs) (laughs) And they chose your answers for two. Yeah, that's right. Cool. That's exactly right. <laughs> so go out and pick up a lure magazine if you want to see my answers to uh, what's good. <laughs> no, that's they wanted to know about like the, you know, what's what are some of the difficulties and challenges that you face as a woman working in the cannabis industry and what people need to do in order to like, if they want to enter the cannabis industry, I think was the big answer of mine that they published. Yeah. And those were great answers. Thank you. Yeah. I, maybe for another podcast, I'd love to dig in more about Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. um, being a woman in weed. Like, I'd love to listen. It's been a, it's been a really interesting uh, ride since I got hired full-time at High Times because the funny thing was when I was introduced to that whole gang way, way back, just as a friend, um, they were all like, oh my God, your name is Mary Jane? Like, you have to write about weed or work for weed, you know? And I was always like, yeah, that's so cool. And it feels, you know, super copacetic and, and like it should happen. And then it kind of did happen. And then... I think as it happened and I started gaining traction, I, the self-doubt started creeping in. And some of that was certainly from external forces and factors, but a lot of it was just from me doubting. And so... Doubting as you delivered, too. Well, yeah. And, and then, like, I feel like... I think you and I had a conversation a while back where I was like, you know, I've come so far along this path that it can't be a mistake. Fuck yeah. So any not believing in myself at this point is just ridiculous, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I should just kind of... But I guess buy what I'm se- selling. No, that doesn't make sense. But anyway, smoke yeah. what you're packing. Believe, <laughs> believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe in myself. Yeah. Believe in myself like other people do. Absolutely. You know. Damn. Yeah. I feel like that's a nice thing to end on. Okay. How much time have we done? That's 33 minutes. Really? Yep. M- my number? Yeah. Then we gotta. End. That's it. Let's end here because uh, we've got stuff to do. Big yeah. week ahead. Yeah. Packing it all in. There is a big week ahead, and next week. Ooh wee. Ooh e. Ooh yeah. motherfucking e. Yeah, it's gonna be huge. It is huge. There's so much coming your way, guys. Uh huh. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, please share, like, subscribe. Do things that take a minute out of your day, but make a huge impact on our lives. And yeah. if you have done that, thank you for doing that. Yeah, writing a review it means so much. If you can do that, take the time. And yeah, Instagram, Twitter at Weed and Grub on all socials. Email mm-hmm. us questions. Yeah. We love you. Straight up, there's been some really cool emails while I've been gone that I'm catching up on from Mary Jane, and I'm really excited not only about next week's episode, but uh, <laughs> but also... <laughs> creepy. You know, but also like... Oh, God, we can't talk about anything, can we? Mm, I don't, we can't really, but we have so... I mean... Uh, uh, okay. Big uh, stuff. Uh, uh. All right. <laughs> I feel like that's what I sounded like when I was in Delta... <laughs> With bored ultimatum, it's just uh. <laughs> like Matt Damon is punching people and going, uh, 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 and I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I would love to make a short film of a, just like a flight attendant just walking through the first class of the Delta pods and just all of the different moans and groans. Yeah, Ugh. like some woman watching, you know, the Great British Bake Off and just being like, uh, <laughs> as she like spoons custard into her mouth. I yeah. just think that sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end on that. Bye. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>